MK9 Mark III. K9 Mark III. Affirmative. K9. Brendan, stop honking. Where. I don't believe. Where are you from, K9? From the doctor. From the doctor? Affirmative. Oh, you can't mean the doctor. My precise meaning, mistress, a gift to you. Oh, doctor, you didn't forget. Who is the doctor? Affirmative. He's, uh, oh, he's, he's a very, very great friend of mine. Oh, how is he, K9? I, I may call you K9. It is my designation, mistress. Oh, how is he? No available data. What is the Earth year? 1981, December 18th. The doctor last spoke in 1978 Earth years. He said, give Sarah Jane Smith my fondest love. Tell her I shall remember her always. Thank you, K9. Hello and welcome to Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast with me, Matthew, and as always... I'm Scott, hello. I feel so... Hello. I, I always feel so awkward doing the introduction because we, <laughs> we talked a bit beforehand and that was... Yeah, the... yeah, it's, you know, it's the, you have to change into like presenter mode, you know, it's like I hit record, we clap, we sync up and then it's the pause of, okay, here we go. Right. <laughs> like... uh, 21 episodes and I'm still not used to it, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but this week we are covering uh, K9 and Company, uh, possibly the worst Doctor Who spin-off I've ever seen. I've not seen Class yet, to be fair. Uh, class at least has some plot in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is there is a, a stark lacking of plot in this special, as we'll go on to see. A little bit of a spoiler alert, but um, at one point watching K9 and Company, I forgot I was watching anything related to Doctor Who. I thought I was just watching like a documentary on gardening. <laughs> An easy mistake to make. Uh, but this episode first aired on December 28th, 1981, uh, not long after Christmas. And, you know, this is, as you were saying before we started recording, a technically a Christmas special for Doctor Who. Uh, even though it didn't air on Christmas, so I, I have gripes with that. But it uh, initially aired on a Monday, which was 39 years, 9 months, and 4 days ago of the time of recording, which quite quite some time away, 1981, isn't it? it, it it's weird, because you just think about the 80s being like, I don't know, 20 years ago? It doesn't feel... Even if I wasn't born in the 80s, it still feels like quite recent. It's yeah, weird. I always, I always think of the 90s as 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Could you hazard a guess? I think you could get this one pretty easily as to who was the United States president at this time in history. Was it Ronald Reagan? <laughs> it was the Mr. Ronald Reagan himself, Ronald McDonald Reagan, as I think he was officially called. <laughs> uh, who I think probably most famously is most famously known for the Watergate scandal. Uh, but when I googled in his name, I couldn't 
quickly get any information on the Watergate scandal because it's a big complicated thing. So instead, uh, Ronald Reagan was famous for his supply-side economic policies dubbed Reaganomics, uh, advocated tax rate reduction to spur economic growth, economic deregulization, and reduction in government spending. In his first term, he survived an assassination attempt, spurred the war on drugs, which of course is a war that drugs would eventually win, uh, <laughs> <laughs> invaded uh, Grenada, and fought a public sector labor union. So just all bad things, really. He, I think he also did the Star Wars thing. Or was it Star Wars? I have no idea. There was like a space I Star don't... Wars thing. Because he, okay. he, want, uh, <laughs> he wanted to be hip and cool, I guess. And he was. He was famously the most hip president. <laughs> uh, <laughs> could you guess, uh, and I think you could, who the United Kingdom prime minister was? I'm just going to guess Margaret Thatcher again. Am I correct? That's a good guess because it's correct. <laughs> uh, Margaret Thatcher it was the longest serving British Prime Minister of the 20th century and the first woman to hold that office. As Prime Minister, she implemented policies uh, that became known as Thatcherism, which, uh, depending on where you are in the country, gets you one of two reactions. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you're unaware, Thatcherism, I have the actual... Uh, definition of it because it's in the dictionary uh, the political and economic policies advocated by the former British Conservative Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher particularly those involving the privatization of nationalized industries and trade union legislation so you know bad things yeah those, <laughs> those are certainly all words <laughs> <laughs> very bad words uh, the only really interesting thing to happen on this day besides of course the airing of the all-time classic canine and company that's watched year year-round in every household across britain <laughs> uh but uh, in north in norfolk virginia the first ever american test tube baby was born elizabeth jordan carr who's gone on to still be alive and healthy wow so, <laughs> Yeah, she was, I think, the 14th in the world. I actually have some information on it. Uh, the parents, Carr, uh, Judith Carr, who was a 28-year-old school teacher at the time, and her husband, Roger Carr, uh, from Massachusetts. The mother had been unable to conceive normally due to complications uh, with unsuccessful pregnancies and had to force removal of her t fallopian tubes, uh, which made them go for this test tube baby uh I guess experiment would be the way of calling it. And uh, the Elizabeth Jordan Carr was the 15th test tube baby in the world. That's, it, that's uh, incredible. To ever be conceived. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. Science. It's cool. It, it must be, uh, it, it must be weird to kind of be like one of the first of anything really. Yeah. And for people to be like, so how are you? Have you grown any extra <laughs> limbs yet? Like, like, no, like, no, I'm fine. Like it's something she didn't even was conscious of while doing it. Like, Doing, being the first man on the moon is something you're you're aware of, but being born without awareness that you're one of the first of somebody is just yeah. weird. It makes me think of uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name, but Hubert Farnsworth's clone in Futurama. Hubert. Uh, yeah, Hubert. Yeah, or uh, <laughs> he's in the test tube. He rubs up too close <laughs> to it, and he pushes his nose up permanently. <laughs> like... uh, one of his greatest lines is. Um, have you ever seen the wiener of a genius? <laughs> <laughs> I love Futurama. Uh, could you guess as to what the number one song here in the United Kingdom was? Um, was it something Christmassy? <laughs> it wasn't, but it was something very 1980s. 
it was uh, Don't You Want Me by The Human League, which wasn't a song that I initially recognized yeah. until I listened to it. And I went, wow, this is... We are definitely in the 80s, aren't we? <laughs> is it, does it go like, Don't you want me, baby? Da, oh, goodness, da, it might. Is it that one? Yes, yes, it is. It is that one. It's a good I had song. To quickly double check. It's very... It is a good song. It's very much... Uh, the eighties. It's great. It's it's the good kind of eighties. Not like yeah. oh, but most eighties music was great. Uh, not like the K Nine and Company example of the eighties. <laughs> the greatest song ever made. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh boy. Uh, the the number one movie in the U.S. It's fun. I got the number one song in the U.K. and the number one in the U.S. It was the only data I could find. Uh, <laughs> the number one movie in the U.S. Could you hazard a guess as to what it could be? Um, I, I'm thinking it might be something Christmassy, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. But um, National Lampoon Christmas Vacation, maybe? Am I off? You are, you are off. It was the film uh, that everybody knows about, of course, called Neighbors, a John Belushi comedy starring um, what's his name, Dan Aykroyd. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll read you the, the description of it. Earl Keese, played by John Belushi, lives in an orderly house with his wife, Enid, and with his wife Enid and daughter Elaine. His routine, his routine is disrupted when loudmouth Vic, played by Dan Aykroyd, and his oversexed wife. As if that was a thing. Uh, Ramona move in next door. Ramona and Vic subject Earl and his family to bizarre dinner date. A near-death encounter in the front yard. Soon, Earl is ready to take drastic action to get rid of Vic and Ramona, but he might lose everything in the process. It sounds like a bad eighties early early eighties comedy. Uh, yeah, it uh, sounds very much like the kind of like Animal House kind of vibes to it. Mm. Which at least it, at least it doesn't give me Revenge of the Nerds kind of vibes. Um, I think uh, I think Animal House is almost as worse, honestly. Really, Revenge of the Nerds is really hard to watch now. Or the point for in Animal House where one of the main characters, I think it's one of the Belushi's, maybe I'm not quite sure. I can't remember the film that well, but one of the characters is just sneaking in, um, onto a stepladder watching women undress. There's a scene in Revenge of the Nerds where they take photographs of women undressing without their knowing, and then sell those photos on plates to everybody. Eighties uh, movies are just weird. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge of Revenge of the Nerds is a is a rapey film, uh, but <laughs> the film Neighbors had a budget of eight and a half million dollars and ended up grossing a whopping twenty nine point nine million dollars at the box office, which is a pretty nice twenty million dollar return. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, but that is all the information that I have on the glorious day of December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty one. Besides, of course, the little interesting tidbit of canine and company oh god <laughs> must must we must we go back to canine and company <laughs> now nah, let's just end the podcast here thanks for listening everybody you can find us <laughs> oh boy canine and company well this is just the history segment of canine and company we've got a lot of history to cover here a lot of interesting history starting off we're going to cover liz sladen the last time we met liz sladen she was leaving doctor who and during the time between Doctor Who and K9 and Company, she declined a lot of roles because she thought it... She didn't want to be typecast, which is very understandable. And um, she was kind of in a period of where she wasn't really sure what to do now. She wound up doing stage productions, radio dramas, 
She did a couple of children's shows, presenter, a few TV shows, and some adverts with a with a dog that was very troublesome on set, but tried to bite her, and um, a very predictive of her future. <laughs> um, we'll get get to how troublesome K Nine was on the set of K Nine and Company. Interesting. Um, but yeah. Um, most importantly, she spent a lot of time just relaxing and spending time with her husband, Brian Miller, and she got a TV show where uh, the both of them played husband and wife, which is quite sweet, really. Uh, mm. um, around this time, she started doing fan conventions as the headline attraction, and she was very shocked to discover just how much uh, Sarah Jane Smith meant to a lot of people around the world. Like, like just a matter yeah, she she would look at everybody and go, oh "My God, there's nerds everywhere." <laughs> <laughs> but like j- just the american reaction with all these conventions just doctor who was kind of big in the 80s in america weirdly enough very strange it makes sense as to why they would try to capitalize that with the 90s movie then you know yeah yeah um so in the summer of 1980 uh john nathan turner who was the producer of a show around about the time uh he joined on to uh Tom Baker's final season and he really wanted Sarah Jane Smith to return to the show as a companion which which is interesting really because um, um, when Sarah Jane Smith was a companion it was the highest ratings the show ever had so it makes complete sense why John Nathan Turner wanted her back because the ratings were kind of like declining at that point really um, but Liz didn't want to jump on board as a companion again because she didn't want to Essentially being in the same role, doing the exact same thing as a companion. She wanted Sarah Jane Smith to expand and grow, which makes a lot of sense. Basically her end monologue from The Hand of Fear, you know, where she's she's sick of getting kidnapped and being brainwashed and, you know, doing left and right. Yeah, and uh, John Nathan Turner didn't take no for an answer, and a year later he wound up killing K-9 off of Doctor Who, because on the set of, K- on the set of Doctor Who, K-9 just was shit like he kept on breaking down uh k9 couldn't be involved in the plot that much because a lot of location shoots meant he couldn't move around on the ground so k9 was a was a useless prop really um and of course uh, tom baker kicked k9 across the room several times just out of pure frustration <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but <laughs> surprisingly a lot of fans were upset with the death of k9 like, I don't like K-9 that much, but I guess in the 80s or 70s... But he's funny robot dog. <laughs> but I don't like K-9 as much, do you? I quite liked him when I was a kid. Yeah, like, I have fond memories of K-9, from, mainly, like, from School Reunion and from the Sarah Jane Adventures. Uh, is he in Sarah Jane Adventures? He's in Sarah Jane Adventures a couple of times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but, like, with the School Reunion one, it's like, oh, I like K-9. He's a fun little robot dog, and it's a callback to the classic show, and then they kill him off <laughs> in the, that one as well, and it's it's the way they kill him off there is really sad. You're like, was I a good boy, Master? <laughs> I, I think K-9 works a lot... I think K-9 works a lot better in the new show, because you can expand him with C- CGI and just better use shots you can get around, to hide. You can get, a, yeah, you yeah. Can get around it. And um, so a lot of fans were upset when K9 died, and he was like, "You know what? Bring him back, K9 and Sarah Jane. Put them in, put them together in a spin-off. Perfect idea." So Elizabeth Sladen agreed to this, and the title was Sarah Jane and K9, 
which she was happy with because Sarah Jane is in the title. It's her show. She was a lead. Eventually, it was retitled to Girl's Best Friend. She's technically still in the title. And then it got retitled to Canine and Company, and she was very upset because her name was no longer in the title. She lost it to a robot dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's an understandable understandable way to be upset. And um, when she got the script, she was very upset with the script because it was apparently really bad. And she was upset about the characterization of Sarah Jane. And well, she it's a went good the... thing they fixed it before they filmed then, isn't it? Because what we well, got well, was a masterpiece. Well, dude, here's the thing. Uh, she went to the script writer who, give me a second, can't remember his name. The script writer is Terence Dudley. And she went up to them and was like, hey, I, I kind of don't like this script. Can you change it? And they were like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make it, we'll improve it. She got the script back. Nothing was changed. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yep, not good. And then another bad thing happened. They decided to film it in November. Now, can you tell me what could be wrong in th- with filming a TV show in November on they might not rap before Christmas and Santa will put them on the naughty list. <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah. They, <laughs> well, yeah, they had to film it really close to the release date, meaning they had to really rush it. They lost a lot of days. And also, November is winter, obviously, and it gets shorter, or shorter days, meaning they really had to rap. They really had to rush production, which is why a lot of shots are just long shots of, like, three characters standing around talking. There's no move to a close-up or anything like that it's really it reminded it, it reminded me of classic who honestly like <laughs> it, it... <laughs> I, I don't think classic who is quite as bad because we usually do close-ups and stuff sometimes sometimes they do just do it in a wide like <laughs> and um so basically the, again the, the filming was this was a nightmare for liz Sleed and if you remember resurrection of the daleks um, John Nathan Turner got upset with the director because he consulted with the writer at one point for a shot and the exact same thing kind of happened here. John Nathan Turner was upset with a crew member at one point and uh, Liz Sladen took the crew member's side and just basically defended him. John Nathan Turner got angry and said, it's your job to stand up to me. And then the next day he would re- he would just refuse to talk to her instead instead he sent people over asking them to tell her to apologize and it's it's really he doesn't sound like a good person to work with no it reminds me of uh the story about wesley snipes in blade 3 yeah where he just he doesn't want to be there he doesn't like ryan reynolds he refused to be on set with ryan reynolds uh there's a scene where he like has to open his eyes in Blade 3 and he just refused to open his eyes so they have to CGI his eyes opening which is great uh, but like on set as well he would only answer mm. to Blade and he only talked to the director through sticky notes that he would write and sign them off Blade. <laughs> like... uh, the thing with John Nathan Turner for he didn't need to be on set he's only with producer and when he's on set he just makes things worse from the sounds of it because he's so controlling and so demanding of the, the people like the director basically had to become like a yes man out of fear that he would lose his job that's how kind of bad it got really and uh, ev- yeah. eventually John Nathan Turner and Liz somehow became close friends I guess he was a good person after 
Oh, the Doctor Who ended? I'm not really sure. Well, maybe yeah, maybe it's just, you know, when he's on set, he's an ass. Off set, he's lovely, you know? <laughs> um. So, yeah, Canine and Company was supposed to air on the 23rd of December, like two days before Christmas, which is, like, the perfect time to put it out because, you know, Christmas television is wrapping up. Everybody's at home and everybody's just be able to watch this. Instead, it got pushed back to the 28th of December, which is... The time where families are like moving away, going back home and all that, and there's less reason to watch television, which it doesn't doesn't do a good job for the show, does it? Yeah, yeah, it's like even when I looked at the release date for it, I went, "What? What a weird time to release this episode." Yeah, you can tell the episode really expected it to be a Christmas episode rather than just. Oh, like three days after Christmas. The, the 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 awkward period of time between Christmas and New Year, where you're like, I guess this the year's still going on for now. Like, yeah, like <laughs> like no good television is on the twenty eighth of December. Like it's all just repeats of films you've already seen years before. And um, but some yeah. but somehow it got eight point four million viewers, which is really impressive considering like half of England couldn't see it because the t- the t- transmission was faulty and somehow they got like russian television somehow and 8.4 million is pretty good rating interesting interesting <laughs> um what Ru- like russians try to hack k9 and company <laughs> but like 8.4 million if you can if you compare that to tom baker's final season his final season only got 5.8 million average that's a massive leap P- uh, P- people love that robot dog <laughs> Uh, Peter Davison's first season got 9.24 million, but eventually shows started dropping to 7 million. Like three seasons later, it dropped below 5 million, which is around about when the show got cancelled. Rest in peace, Doctor Who. But yeah, K9 and Company, 8.4 million. And if you compare that to the 20th anniversary special, it's a, it's a big special where four of the Doctors come back. 7.7 million. That's <laughs> round about the same league. That's massive. And you would think they would bring bring it to series with those kind of ratings. But um, changes at the BBC meant it wouldn't make it to series. And yeah, that's a sad thing. Because on paper, it sounds quite good. Sarah Jane Smith investigating stuff with, yeah, with a robot dog. But, uh, but the execution is terrible. Although, to be fair, the pilot of most TV shows is atrocious. And if you look at this as the pilot, which it is... It's atrocious. Oh yeah, if they, but, uh, if they have, if they could be able to revamp some stuff, if could, it, it would have been a great series. You could save up with the Sarah Jane Adventures, basically the same premise. Great series. The key to that was they got rid of belly buttons. <laughs> specifically, specifically one belly button. <laughs> that's what made that popular show. <laughs> I I can't wait to get to Sarah Jane Adventures. Well. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, looking forward to that as well. But they, yeah, they were hoping this would be a pilot for like a six to seven episode series, which is a shame that it got dropped so quickly. But you know, stuff happens, man. We still got Sarah Jane Adventures and like four and a half seasons of Sarah Jane Adventures, but still pretty damn good. Um, so joining the cast with Liz Sladen is of course John Leeson as K Nine, and he's still doing K Nine to this day. He's done K Nine in every single episode apart from season seventeen of Doctor Who, when he got replaced by another dude. 
And apparently the reason for that was I don't know. Um but <laughs> <laughs> um but That's a good reason. But the explanation on screen was apparently K9 had a sore throat. He's a he's a robot dog, he can't get sore throats, you know? Funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. So the director of this is John Black. He did Coronation Street before this. He did two Doctor Who stories, one before and one after K9 and Company. And then after the second Doctor Who episode he did, he took a 10-year break, came back to do two episodes of The Bill, and then he just retired completely. <laughs> Interesting career. Interesting. Yeah, it, it's, it's a very slim career, but with Terence Dudley, the writer, he produced Doom Watch, which was created by Kit Peddler and Jerry Davis, the creator of Cybermen. He worked on Survivors and Blake 7 as producer, which were both created by Terry Nation, the creator of the Daleks. Are you seeing a theme here? He directed eight episodes of All Creatures Great and Small, which starred Peter Davidson, the fifth Doctor. <laughs> he, directed a, he directed a Tom Baker story and wrote a handful of Davidson stories as well. And he sadly died, like, um, seven years after this episode aired on Christmas Day, 1988. Oh, so Rough. But he had a big career and just like the Doctor Who kind of spear with always working with Jerry Davis and Kit Peddler and Terry Nation on these shows. Like that's a pretty good career. That's a good gig, yeah. And finally, the exciting part, the best part of the episode we're going to talk about, the theme song. And do you want to know who wrote it? Of course I want to know the genius that came up with the theme song to K9 and Company. So the theme song was created by songwriting partners uh, Flatra, Trench, and Ian Levine. Uh, Flat- it took two people to write this. <laughs> Understandable, considering just how complex it is. <laughs> the lyrics alone is just like... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't believe that they managed it, honestly. Uh, so Flatra was born in Ireland, 1941. And he's credited for the strings in Boom, the Boomtown Rat song, I Don't Like Mondays, and the popular Christmas song, Fairy Tale of New York. Are you aware of these songs? Not at all. Dude, Fairy Tale... Not by name, anyway. Not by name. Fairy Tale of New York is, like, the best Christmas song, honestly, because it just sounds like the singers are just drunk. Right, okay, Fairy Tales of New York, I do recognize uh, as a Christmas song. It's very Irish. It uh, is. <laughs> but it, uh, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Flatra Trench also worked with uh, notable um, acts such as Elvis Costello, Art Garfunkel, Sinead O'Connor, Sweet, Paul McCartney, and he even taught Linda McCartney how to play piano. And he conducted the 1996 French entry into Eurovision, which is very weird. It's all over the place. <laughs> um, but he's been on composers on films such as Pearl Harbor, The Ring, and Die Hard. Well, not the composer, but like doing the strings, I guess. Which is mm. which is a very fascinating career, honestly. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, Ian Levine, the second person in his songwriting duo, was born in 1953 in Blackpool. And as a gay man, he started out being a DJ at gay bars and one of the first DJs to mix records in the UK. Which is... Mm. Um, he wound up working with a lot of disco hits, signing talent as a producer in the mid-70s. He co-wrote and produced a lot of 80s to 90s dance pop arts, like uh, Take That, 
Pet Shop Boys, Erasure, Bananarama, and Tiffany. And he started a Motown label in 1987. He got acts like Edwin Starr, who you would know for the song War. Uh, it's famously in Rush Hour. The song that uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker sings. Uh, War, what is it good for? Absolutely oh, okay, nothing. Yeah. And Levy... Say it again. <laughs> and he also got Levy Stubbs from Little Shop of Horrors, which is pretty massive he's got such a great voice yeah um but yeah and those those two geniuses wrote k9 and company's theme song and that's incredible do you know what else they wrote in 1985 what? around the time when the show was on hiatus and give it to me doctor in distress <laughs> yes <laughs> Yes, we... <laughs> the greatest Doctor Who song next to K9 and Company. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen Doctor in Distress, look it up on YouTube or Matthew will play a little I'll clip. play another clip of it again. <laughs> this is like maybe the third time in the show's history that I've played Doctor. We did it quite a few times in the early, early episodes we played Doctor in Distress. But... Yeah, it's been a while since we spoke about Doctor in Distress. <laughs> yeah, here it is. <laughs> He was a lifelong fan of Doctor Who. He, in 1985, also, he created that hit to try bring Doctor Who back from the brink of cancellation. It worked. Well, I guess it didn't work because it was shit, but, you know, the show, <laughs> <laughs> the show survived another four years after that, so maybe he's to thank? I, I doubt it. Um, but nowadays, Ian Levine is on Twitter complaining about a female Doctor Who. Which is a sad note. Oh, good. Which is a sad note oh, to good. end on that. But you know, it's important just to look at all. The both of them have lot, like a lot of history together. Like just all those are acts we've uh, supported and all the films they composed. Like that's that's a massive history. Yeah, yeah, that's a very big history together. Uh, is that is that all we've got for this? Yeah, back, that's all background? we've got for the background. Awesome. Well, we will move into talking about K9 and Company. Uh, to do to to play that transition in, I'm going to allow all you lovely listeners to bear witness, if you haven't already, to the almighty glory of the theme song to K9 and Company. <laughs> You're welcome in advance. <laughs> Hey, night. Hey, night. 
Well, shall we jump right into the episode then? Oh boy, of course. Hopefully we haven't lost any listeners with that with you playing the whole song. <laughs> well, I think it's worth listening to. It's it's catchy, it's energetic, it doesn't match the visuals on screen at all. <laughs> <laughs> it, it 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 is certainly the best part of the entire episode though, honestly. It sets such a high bar. It does. For the, the episode. You really think you're in for like this cheesy eighties TV show. And instead, it's boring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the writers of this song just thought it would be like an orchestral piece. But I think it works better as a... It sounds very technological, which fits K9 and company very much. Yeah, I like the synth synth wave soundtrack to it. And the lyrics, of course, of K9. (laughs) uh, Unforgettable. Um, Apparently, John Lee, that's the first thing they did. That John Leeson ever did on this this program, he just stood in a studio and said "canine" for like fifty times in like five minutes, and he was just like, "Why did they make me say canine over and over again?" <laughs> <laughs> he was very confused. Uh, do you want to break down the actual intro uh, before we jump into the episode? Because I think it's very interesting as far as intros go. <laughs> So the music, you know, it's it's energetic, it's like bouncy and fun, and the visuals we get are Liz Sladen looks bored on a <laughs> in the country, K 9s in the country, Liz Sladen looks bored as she's like having a cup of tea, uh, K nine again. It's just it's various shots of Liz Sladen looking bored, uh, <laughs> <laughs> while K 9s also there. Uh, we do open up in a nice little shot of like uh, it's an animation. I mean, it opens up to live action. That's a nice little, of just of K nine. It's it's nice. Probably the highest produced part of the entire intro. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and then we cut to Sarah Jane Smith reading a newspaper on a rock in in the countryside, and then looking directly at the camera and smiling, very energetic and exciting, eh? She's reading the Guardian. Um, if, if that's of any interest <laughs> <laughs> um, so the thing about these intros is uh, Liz Sladen didn't even know we were going to film it on this day like she was just told to bring her own clothes to set and she was like why would I bring my own clothes to set You haven't? there's no words in this script and then suddenly she was like told that oh we're just shooting the intro now <laughs> she, she never got told she was shooting the intro which is great planning and organisation skills Makes sense why she's not really trying anything in this uh, <laughs> intro, isn't it? It feels very much off. Okay, what what shot could we get next? Uh, uh, Liz, what if you like sit up on that wall and we'll get the dog up there as well? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's very awkward staging. This episode is called "A Girl's Best Friend." Uh, I say this episode; it's the only one. Uh, <laughs> And also notice how the um, the t- on-screen title of the show is just K9. There's no and company in the title screen. It just flashes up K9 for a second when it zooms on by. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Uh, I've, it, it almost feels like they didn't want Sarah Jane in the show. Uh, they just wanted K9. Yeah, it's very bizarre. And K9 is just like the most useless character in the show doesn't make any sense. He murders a bunch included. of people at the end. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but Sarah Jane does karate at the end. We'll get to that. 
Uh, so the episode actually opens up to uh, Hot Fuzz as we see a <laughs> group of people in the country all adorning uh, black cloaks and, you know, saying for the greater good as they march around in a circle. It's very similar as well to the Daemons, the third Doctor story. Yes. It's like immediately that's what I thought about as well, besides I'm, the hot fuzz, which is all I think about. Yeah, and then to jump ahead a little, we get up the whole thing about um, the the Sarah Jane's aunt is like a, what is she, a scientist? Is she? A, She's a scientist, yeah. Yes, so it's, it, it makes me really think of The Demons, which is a great story. If you haven't listened to our podcast review in that episode, feel free to do that after we finish talking here, because that would be are, rude. To- that, those are long episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's far more interesting than this episode. <laughs> uh, so everybody's marching around in a circle chanting, and it took me... like I did not know what they were saying when they were... Because they're going... Hecate, hecate, hecate. Uh, and according to the ca- closed captions, they're saying... Hecate? 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 Is that the, like, the demon's name, I guess? I, I honestly don't know, but at one point, the actor started saying equity instead, because we are very cold on set, and uh, equity is like the actor's union, so <laughs> we just said that <laughs> as a joke for a take. <laughs> like, remember, this is November at 3 o'clock in the morning. I, I don't blame them. They look absolutely cold. Ah, okay, so the the main priestess, when she starts talking... Uh, when I first watched the episode, I honestly didn't know what she said because she is miked so poorly. So she's in this big like goat mask getup, uh, and she's talking, and she's clearly talking with the mask on because it's the is all like But according to the to the closed captions that I've got up here, it's all I speak with the voice of Hecate, our greatest goddess. So yeah, Hecate it must be the god that they're praying to then. Also, the mask looks pretty decent. It's like the best uh, looking thing in this episode, I would say. Yeah, uh, it's too bad that it com- <laughs> they just didn't want to dub her lines in. <laughs> and it completely muffles her audio. Um, but they decide to burn a picture of uh, Sarah Jane's aunt, which was taken nicely in the Blue Peter Garden. Uh, and then we find out, uh, we cut to a shot of the newspaper and we see that the same old lady who's Sarah Jane's aunt is going to tour America because she's a scientist. Do we ever find out what type of scientist she is or is she just scientist? Just a scientist. There's no other type of scientist around, mm-hmm. is there? One of, those, one of those scientists <laughs> that go on the famous world tours selling out <laughs> arenas. Uh, uh, around Christmas as well. Like the most popular time to go around on tours. And this scene honestly feels very much like Coronation Street. It's just so bland and flat. Yeah, so it's it's the grandmother, or the aunt, sorry, the aunt and, I guess, neighbor just chatting as they smoke and drink wine about uh, going away to America and going early and not being able to talk to Sarah Jane and how the town doesn't like scientist aunt because she's a scientist and doesn't believe in witchcraft. And, uh, yeah, it's very... Uh, not engaging. Mm. And the only part I found engaging was when they actually mentioned Sarah Jane Smith. I'm like, oh, I recognize her. (laughs) (laughs) Also, there's a part of this episode that absolutely bugs me, and you probably probably don't even know what this is about. Um, So at one point, they mentioned Friday the 18th, which actually sets this in the year 1981, which is where uh, where it was filmed and aired but it's a huge continuity issue in the world of Doctor Who. 
because Sarah Jane Smith joined the Doctor in the late 70s. Therefore, this should be like 1987 at the most. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you saying Doctor Who has a continuity issue? Oh, no. It never has I, continuity issues. No, I don't no. think that's happened before, <laughs> Scott. I, I think we need to get uh, the, the, the BBC on the phone right now and clarify this. <laughs> this impossible error that's happened but like doctor who is just so weird when it comes to continuity it's just it's just so too bizarre. big there's too there's too much of it to keep track like <laughs> especially with time travel time travel messes everything up true you can just presume that uh, this sarah jane smith is slightly different than the sarah jane smith we saw in doctor who therefore it's like an alternate universe of some sorts but it's slightly alternate which is why she's kind of off in this episode I think she's mainly off because she doesn't want to do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame her, but it's descriptive as well, honestly. It's just, she doesn't feel active in this story, as we'll come to see. To be fair, there's no story to be active in. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, so the old ladies chat some more, uh, and we see some moving men come, and they go to take a big blue box, and the old lady's like, no, don't take that. That's for Sarah Jane. She sent that to us ages ago or whatever. Uh, not not, not the blue box, a blue box. You know what he means. Yeah, a blue parcel box that I want that, that contains a certain character famous from the show Doctor Who. The doctor uh, himself. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> it's the doctor. He's he's definitely in this. It's not canine at all. Yeah, canine being in a blue box is just a very nice touch that they like didn't need to do. Uh, they could have just had him in any old crate or whatever. It's just that nice little attention to detail that they just don't have anywhere else in this <laughs> episode. Yeah, it's something I didn't notice until you pointed out to me earlier. It's just like, it's, it's a nice little touch, and it's the last nice little touch we'll get in this episode. Also, when the characters are walking around, you can just hear their footsteps. That's because there's no carpet in this place, because... K9 also needs a flat surface to walk on. So yeah, you'll just hear constant footprints whenever there's an interior scene, which is great. And you'll hear constant footprints uh, when there's an exterior scene, because quite often uh, you're just watching uh, someone walk up to somewhere, <laughs> or drive up to somewhere, or walk away from somewhere. Uh, it's very entertaining. Yes, it's very <laughs> it's very fast-paced. Yeah. Uh, but we leave the, we leave the old people and see a car drive on up a uh, street, uh, and we watch it go all the way up to the house. We then see Sarah Jane come out. She was driving the car along, and everybody cheered. Uh, she climbs out of the car, and then she walks very slowly up to the front door, knocks on it, rings the doorbell, and we're just watching in silence on the edge of our seats because the tension's <laughs> so high. Uh, and she, she she then gets approached by a farmer man person. Uh, and she's like, oh, I'm looking for my aunt. And she's like, oh, she's gone to America already. Uh, which Sarah Jane's like, oh, but, but she wasn't supposed to go until Christmas. Uh, and it kicks off the mystery of what happened to the aunt, which, as we find out by the end, isn't a mystery. And also, we found out in the scene before this where the aunt says i'm leaving early so i don't get the mystery yeah it's 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 very bizarre the mystery is oh maybe she got kidnapped 
work because she never left a line for Sarah Jane. Very 80s thing of leaving a line. But yeah, it's it's just that the cult man forgot or didn't bother to tell Sarah Jane what she left. What, what a fascinating, gripping storyline. At least we learn about soil. <laughs> Can't wait to get to that. <laughs> also, one thing I'll say, they've actually built a really nice set here for the house. At least, like the lobby part and the living room part, but we never show it off properly. It's just most of the story is contained in like the living room next to the fireplace and we never really get to show off this set they've actually built which is a shame yeah it's it's a pretty nice wee uh house set that they have it reminds me of like a uh a house you would have a murder mystery happen it's like that big grand like cluedo style uh classic mansion uh so sarah jane kind of goes to the phone and asks if there's been a cable sent from this address or house or whatever. And then she walks kind of slowly to the block to the box. She opens up a letter and there's like fifteen seconds. No music, no talking. It's just the sound of her footsteps and it's just like Compelling. We, it's yeah, just we, compelling. <laughs> like we could have just amped up the pace a little bit. Add some musical stings, I don't For know. Something. This scene specifically, Sarah Jane is like walking all over the house. Like she goes up to the phone, uh, she rings the phone, she talks on the phone about some boring clerical stuff about a cable being left. Uh, she walks over to the parcel and then the doorbell rings and she runs all the way back through the house to the front door. And it's like we're just watching Sarah Jane run back and forth between two rooms here. Uh, it's It's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, so when she answers the door, we get introduced to Peter Tracy, who's like a greaser guy. Uh, mm. And my thing that I was always that I that really confused me as I was watching this episode: how old is he supposed to be? He could be eighteen. He could be forty. I can never because tell. he 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 looks about thirty-five, but he's <laughs> yes. like living with his dad and dressing like a teenage greaser. <laughs> So I was very confused. Like, was this like a like sp- like a Spider-Man One style era where the teenagers are all thirty-five-year-olds? Uh, it, it, it definitely <laughs> feels like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially a little bit later on in the episode where he just like has like a full five o'clock shadow. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I just to- like, and they never established exactly how old he is, so he could just be like a fully grown man staying at home. Uh, dude, 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 but to be fair, they don't establish his character in the slightest either, so... <laughs> Very true. Uh, but Sarah Jane, uh, he offers her a cup of tea, and, you know, she's like, thanks, and then he leaves again. Uh, and then the phone rings again, and Sarah Jane goes running all the way back across the house over to the phone. If I haven't said it's compelling already, it's compelling stuff. And the camera doesn't move either, because obviously this is a studio and we don't want to move the cameras around as much, because they're also running low on time, and it's just it's just a very flat staging. It's just you're, you're stationary watching a woman walk back and forth. Nothing compelling about that. Also, her hair is massive. Class gaze. <laughs> oh, 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 and Brandon is... Uh, she she answers the phone and Brandon's on the other end. Uh, I guess it's her aunt's ward. I'm not exactly sure who he is, to be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I assumed he was like Sarah Jane's nephew or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, I, I, 
they talk a bit about his relationship very briefly a little bit later on in the episode so we'll see if rewatching it explains it maybe it's like a line of dialogue we missed or something uh but yeah brandon's like come pick me up sarah and she's like i'll get you tomorrow don't worry about it and he's like but i'll die because i left already uh i didn't really like brandon but to be fair he does nothing and has a really bad laugh you kind of you kind of described every character in this show apart from (laughs) sarah jane (laughs) yeah to be fair sarah jane doesn't do anything either i just i prefer i I have like an established history with her if like if like i didn't know who sarah jane was going into this i would not care at all about anything going on I don't care. I know who Sarah Jane is. I don't care about anything <laughs> to begin with. So, you know, like I can't wait to compare this to Sarah Jane Adventures in terms of just a pilot for Sarah Jane because it's a it's a total night and day contrast. Okay, so uh, as they're walking back towards the car when Sarah Jane picks up Brandon, he describes Sarah Jane's aunt as also his aunt, so perhaps they're cousins. Uh <laughs> That could be the only explanation I find, and we find out that Brandon's in like boarding school or something, and he doesn't much like it, and he's he's looking to move into more public school, uh, which yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting things. Uh, and then he has a very f- interesting line where he says, "The Americans don't do m- don't go much on Christmas, do they?" I, I, uh, I'm I'm glad you caught this as well because Americans <laughs> are known for going overboard on Christmas. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Maybe yeah, maybe there was like a turning point in history, you know, where like we were over here in the UK really big on Christmas, and America that wasn't, and then we like crossed over. But like even if you go back to like n- like 1981 American media, Christmas movies and Christmas traditions all the rage. Like yeah, it's I like. It's like it's literally the most commercial time of the year. It's like, of of course, Christmas has always pretty much been big. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's a very weird line of dialogue. And of and of course, the classic Christmas tradition of going to see a science lecture every Christmas. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, uh, Scott, but that is a time-honored tradition in my family, and I look forward to it every year. So we find out that Sarah Jane's in the countryside where her aunt lives because she wants to write a book. Uh, do we ever find out what book she's wanting to write? Something about journalism, I have no idea, honestly. She should write a sci-fi novel. <laughs> about like, a character, surely... named, the... about a character yeah. named the Doctor, I. Yeah, surely that's the most like obvious thing. Like, If you were wanting to have a companion write a book, it's like just write about your adventures with the Doctor, but turn them fictionalized. Kind of like what they do in The Family of Blood with David Tennant. Where he's like mm. writing his like dream journal and he's coming up with all these like fantastical characters like the Slovene and the Daleks, uh, <laughs> you know. I, f- I think Stephen Moffat wanted that to be the in canon explanation for the Peter Cushion movies, like um, Ian and Barbara was supposed to have written them. That's a pretty good explanation. Yeah, even if we don't really need an explanation for those movies because they don't exist within the Doctor Who universe, but still. <laughs> but like, it's a good way of tie. It's a good way of tying all Doctor Who media together, you know. So there's no like loose yeah. strands. But it's also weird that nobody in Doctor Who is like, oh, it's, they look like the monsters from that sixties movie, Doctor Who and the Daleks. <laughs> That's because nobody's watching the 60s. <laughs> like, like you could say that they made the movie uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks from the 60s with Peter Cushing. But, like, if you were to ask your average person on the street nowadays if they've seen Doctor Who and the Daleks, they would have no idea, more than likely, what you're talking about. 
But in the world for a Doctor Who of a show, you would think Doctor Who and the Daleks of a movie would be bigger than Doctor Who the show. I, 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 I like the idea that it flopped really hard <laughs> in the Doctor Who universe because they're like, we get invaded by aliens every other week. Why would we want to watch this on TV? I'm, I'm like, maybe it got like a bootleg VHS in like the 90s and that's about it. We never got released on Blu-ray or anything like that. <laughs> How did this? How did this film from the '60s predict the Daleks? Why are the, the Daleks <laughs> invaded the Earth? How did this film know? <laughs> and then Sarah Jane says a line that's really true about this whole episode, the theme of this episode. What do you know about market gardening? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it, it's honestly it's the biggest piece of foreshadowing for this episode. I think <laughs> that that's ever happened uh, up to this point, and really, it should have been a, a red flag. Like it should have been a warning uh, about the direction that this this script is going to take us. According to Brandon, it's very scientific these days. Yeah, uh, and then the he starts talking about how he's a giant nerd and doing like extra physics and stuff like that, and it's like okay, cool. Uh, and they drive off and they get back home, and they go through the front door, and uh, they get greeted by the German Shepherd. Uh, that's owned by like the other farmer that's dealing with the field and that's like we were talking before we hit record in the promo photos for Canine and Company it's Sarah Jane Canine and a German Shepherd this is the German Shepherd I was so confused as to where that dog came from because I totally forgot that this is because he's he doesn't come back again as far as I'm aware uh, from this like one scene but this this is the dog from all the promo photos with Canine and Company yeah, it's very it's it's very weird promo photos as well. It's just like just her in a garden, and there's nothing else in the promotion photos. Uh, so then they meet the old man Bill Pollock, uh, who was shagging the ant. Uh, <laughs> he describes himself as the ant's partner, and he rented out the eastern wing. Uh, <laughs> all I, right, that's uh, a good point. I just caught that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they have a wonderful discussion uh, about soil and farming. <laughs> and and to go back on that, um, he also says that her aunt also let, had a good habit of leaving the back door open so he could just walk in. Um, yep, <laughs> yep. They were totally, totally shagging. Uh, but but yeah, they 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 have a discussion about farming and looking after soil and how maybe it's not all scientific nowadays and maybe it's a bit more common sense and experience and mostly experience that you need to be a good soil farmer uh it's, it's such a strange direction for this entire script to go in well it just reminds me of the country in general it's nothing to do apart from look look at grass and plants and sheep. i live in the country i live in the country i have had a grand total of zero discussions about soil <laughs> well you're living in a different kind kind of country <laughs> another thing to mention about uh bill pollock's character here the actor for him the entire time slurs his lines together and he becomes like r really hard to understand at times and you know, you thought that perhaps he had had a stroke or something, whereas yeah. I posit I posited the idea that he was just <laughs> blind drunk the entire time filming. Uh, both are entirely possible, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, this whole episode is just Sarah Jane wandering around, taking telephone calls and going to a post office and um, phoning operators and just... It's very 
talking she's also talking about uh getting boxes and it's like very 80s problems of communications <laughs> yeah yeah it is very 80s problems isn't it it's it's she left a wire for you call the operator find out <laughs> this you know it, well why didn't the aunt just write a note well it is established but um bill pollock is that his name he, he yeah he just he just didn't tell sarah but her aunt had left early I guess. Yeah, yeah, but like, why not handwrite a note? Well, like, and be like, "Hey, Sarah, in case Paul forgets, just to let you know, I've left early." It's possible he ate a note, just <laughs> ate it, or, or fed it to a dog. <laughs> it's it's like a, a a problem you could solve, and then the mystery of where the aunt's gone, which isn't a mystery because we heard <laughs> that she's gone to America early, uh, gets solved. Uh, and then we move into the only good scene in the script, or the show, uh, where Bill Pollock eventually leaves and they're talking about, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, he leaves and uh, it's Sarah Jane and Brandon uh, go over to the blue, the mysterious blue box uh, and they're like, what's in here? I'm going to find out. Uh, if only they looked at the title of the show then they they might have a clue <laughs> also it's been 13 episodes uh, 13 minutes of this episode so far we've really talked about gardening that's that's the only plot that's going on here uh, yeah we're 13 minutes in and sarah jane has walked into the house <laughs> gone over to the phone gone over to the blue box gone to the front door gone back to the phone left the house come back to the house walked over to the fire sat down for a bit went to the phone again Went to the back door and then went back to the box. It was... She's all over the place. <laughs> Sadly, all over the place being nothing interesting. <laughs> uh, so they open the box and they find K9. They lift him out. And uh, if you listen to Brandon's description of it, it's really, really great. Uh, where he says, it looks just like a dog, a metal dog. And then I think, like, three sentences later, he goes, it's a metal dog. Uh, <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, I think I think he's saying those lines for like blind children who can't see what we're watching. <laughs> <laughs> he literally he he goes, "It's a dog. It's a metal dog. It's got a name tag. Oh, no name on it. But look, it's got a tail. It's got ears. It's a metal dog." <laughs> he's he's also like, "It's got no legs. Oh, it's got sort of wheels." <laughs> but when he goes, "It's got no legs," he leans all the way under canine to check, <laughs> like. K9's body is like an inch off the ground and he's like is there legs under there? <laughs> Not the brightest kid is he? <laughs> but he's a genius. He goes on to talk about all this circuitry board stuff and all the remember all the physics classes yeah. he's taking and all the things he knows about <laughs> soil. Uh, so she turns on K9 and he he says that he's like K9 Mark 3 and one thing I did like about this episode uh, the man who plays K9, whose name I'm forgetting. John Leeson. Yeah. I love him as K9. His voice is so instantly charming. He's very good. Um, on the set, uh, Liz Layden didn't know that John Leeson wouldn't lead, wouldn't be reading his lines out loud. So she just sort of was very confused about just the silence. And um, that's kind of something your lead actress should know about, whether or not the voice would actually be on set. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like there was a real disorganization on this uh, production. 
Certainly, because, I mean, John Leeson was on set in the first place to remote control K-9, so why wouldn't he just be saying the voices in the first place? It doesn't make any sense. You'd think the actress would need some indication of when to have her next line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Brendan says, K-9, and it's the funniest thing ever. Uh, I played <laughs> it in the cold open where he goes like, uh, the, 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 the honking laughter he does is horrendous. Um, so originally his laugh was supposed to be a groan because of a pun, K-9. And then the last minute change was to have him laugh, and he and the actor was like, "This is a sort of compromise. I'll honk instead." I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's not just laugh, dude. Just be like K <laughs> nine. <laughs> Don't be like K nine. <laughs> like that's like <laughs> you trying to call out to whales. <laughs> and then K nine says he's from the doctor, and we get a nice little music sting here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 it, the reason I included this for the cold open to the episode is because I think it's one of the few well put together scenes. Uh, <laughs> and then Sarah Jane is like, "Oh, you didn't forget," which is a callback to the end of the Hand of Fear, which is another nice little touch. And then Brandon is like, "Who is the Doctor?" And K Nine is like, "Affirmative," which is a joke I, I liked, didn't yeah. catch the first time. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's a pretty fun joke as well. And it's, it's a very subtle take on the Doctor Who joke, isn't it? It fits very nicely. And and I think that's the last positive thing we'll say about this episode, to be honest. Yeah, not a lot happens when it comes to the plot from here on out. We get introduced to K-9 and then it's soil talk for 30 minutes and then K-9 shoots a bunch of people uh, to give the quick rundown. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And um, this is where K-9 confirms that he's actually the Mark III K-9. Uh, Mark 1K9 got destroyed in 1978 storyline, which uh, K9, this K9 says he's been waiting for three years, so it suggests when the Doctor got the second K9, he also got the third K9 for Do- uh, for Sarah Jane at the same time, which is a really nice touch, I think. What's the version of K9 we get in School Reunion? I don't remember. Uh, School Reunion is still K9 uh, Mark 3, except at the end he dies and gets replaced by K9 Mark 4. The K9 in the spin-off K9 is actually Mark 1, but he gets a big redesign that regenerates. You know the Australian spin-off. So yeah, yeah, we'll cover that eventually. I can't wait. Wonder if it's better in this. Impossible. And then Brandon is like, you're a computer and a robot. And it's like, really? Yeah, and then they talk about circuitry boards for a while and Sarah Jane looks bored out her mind. Um, Very much representing the entire audience. (laughs) Yeah, and then uh, Sarah Jane has a great line uh, a little bit, uh, like a few sentences after that where she's talking to K-9 about her aunt being missing, and she's like, oh, it's my aunt K-9. I have this feeling, this intuition that something's wrong, which in a well-structured script would be like, yeah, there (laughs) is something wrong with the aunt, and our main character knows that because she's smart and intuitive and can read the signs of the environment around her that, you know, someone's not telling her something and something's not quite right here. But in reality, uh, yeah, no, everything's fine. So Yeah, it's... it's, it's (laughs) Again, it's just like we're 16 minutes into the episode now and we just met K-9 and not much plot has happened. We just know there's something mysterious going on in town and 
That's about it. It's half an hour left, my dudes. Hurry up. <laughs> so, uh, Sarah Jane goes to her aunt's friend's house, who she the aunt was chatting with at the start of the episode, uh, to talk about some stuff. And the 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 friends like, do you want a cup of tea? To which Sarah Jane's like, oh, I die for one because you know they're uh, English. Uh, and the way, did you notice how the aunt, not the aunt, the aunt's friend makes the tea? No, I didn't. Tell me. She she pu- she pours the milk in first. <laughs> yeah. Which is psychotic. <laughs> like pure psychotic. If you're making tea, you want to pour the tea in first so that you can add your milk and make sure you get the right color tea. You know. Well, I mean, she's also potentially practicing witchcraft. So, is she? In this episode, I'm not even sure who's practicing witchcraft and who isn't. It's it very, doesn't matter. It, it doesn't play into the plot at all. The cults true. at the start of the episode and the end of the episode, and they do nothing. <laughs> it, it just at this point of the episode, it just feels very Christmassy. Oh, I've got to go to my aunt's because it's Christmas, and it. Oh, go to my aunt's friend, wish her a Merry Christmas, have a nice cup of tea and a yeah, lovely and it's chat. Just, it's, it's just a bunch of old people talking about soil. <laughs> and then Brandon and K9 have a conversation about soil analysis. Yay! That's so I really wasn't expecting so much soil in this episode. Dude, I... I... I watched this like a week ago, and I just forgot how much soil there actually was in this episode. Like, I didn't realize it was the but, entire but, episode. Right, exciting stuff's about to happen because they start talking about soil and soil samples. And Canine's like, to to get a good reading on the soil, you're gonna have to get me a sample. Uh, so we're about to go out and and see some some real life soil here. <laughs> so uh, there's a moment before Brandon leaves that Canine starts yelping, which is actually a really cute little moment. I thought. I thought he meowed, and I was very <laughs> confused as to why he would do that. Because Brendan's like, "Okay, Canine, you stay here. I'll come back." And then Canine's like, "Yep," uh, like a like a yelp. But it's like to me, it sounded like meow. Uh, like, <laughs> what? What? Why did you meow, Canine? Is this like some sort of ironic joke that you're a dog? <laughs> and, and and I also love that Canine has to stay behind because his operations kind of walk on the ground outside because he's too shit of a prop. <laughs> They really have to build the entire episode around K9's limitations, don't they? Yeah, which, you know, makes sense, considering the design of him. And then we get an awesome scene uh, <laughs> where Brendan is in a field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he grabs some dirt. Uh, and we see that a farmer was watching him do it. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat. You're saying oh this God. didn't get turned into a series? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Sarah Jane starts talking with the aunt's friend, and we get a repeat of the information we were given uh, with the aunt and also the aunt's friend, the same character, where they're talking about how the aunt stirred up a bit of trouble by talking to the newspaper about witchcraft and how witchcraft isn't true, and how that's a sensitive issue in this town because people believe in witchcraft in this town, which is the exact conversation that they had 10, 15 minutes ago. Um, they say the people in the, of this town believe in witchcraft because it helps make the crops grow. Like, yay! <laughs> also, she has a very thick accent as well. Really? I, I, didn't, I didn't notice it that badly. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, 
Sarah Jane ends up back in the house with Brandon, and Brandon is very excited to share with Sarah the incredible soil analysis. Uh, and he says this exact line is, it's not just the soil analysis, it's, what's more, comprehensive chemical treatment for healthy advanced yield. And I was like, oh, I gotta write <laughs> down all my notes for this. And then uh, Sarah Jane mentions that the neighbours next door are called the Bakers, which might be a reference to both Tom Baker, the fourth doctor, and Bob Baker, one of the creators of K9. I think that might be a reference to them, but I don't know. That's, that's like the most interesting part of a scene. Yeah, that's a fair. That's a fair guess. <laughs> but 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 Sarah Jane kind of sits down and then she's like, "Oh, I'm going next door for a drink," and then she immediately stands back up again, even though she just sat down two seconds ago. She have to keep a plot moving, I guess. She's all she's on her feet constantly in this episode. So the scene with <laughs> the the scene where with Sarah and Brandon that we just watched was literally just so Brandon could talk about soil analysis. <laughs> yes. That was the purpose of that scene, was so Brendan could talk about how comprehensive the soil analysis was. <laughs> and then Sarah went, cool, bye. But, uh, Sarah Jane, we, we needed the important information, but Sarah Jane accepted the, inter- the invitation to go to the Christmas party because she was on the fence about going to the Christmas party. And that's very important information to know that she's going to the Christmas party. Yeah, <laughs> we really needed a scene. And then we get another scene of just Sarah Jane at the Christmas party trying to get information about where her aunt is. And then she's like, uh, one of the neighbors is like, oh, she was popular. And Sarah Jane's like, was? And then the woman is like, oh, still is, my dear, of course. Uh, as as we know, it's, she's still alive. She's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's It's terrible. It's terrible. There's no other word for it. It's terrible. <laughs> like, like, like. Is it about soil or her aunt? <laughs> Both of which isn't a proper plot because we know what happens to the aunt. We, and isn't... we already know the aunt is fine. We already know she left early. This was information given to us at the start of the episode. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Again, we're like 20 minutes in. Nothing's happened. Fantastic. Uh, and then Brendan starts asking K9 a bunch of questions. He asks him like two questions in a row, and K9 goes affirmative, affirmative, answering both questions, which <laughs> baffles the mind of Brendan. And he's like, uh, affirmative, affirmative. Uh, and K9 has to clarify that he was answering both questions, which to me just feels like we need to add five seconds onto this scene. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like that. And and of course we have to establish where we actually are because uh, the next cliff is of two farmers in sarah jane's aunt's house and we're about to try and kidnap brandon i guess because reasons because he 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 went to collect some soil earlier okay <laughs> yeah so they grab at brandon the, the it's the greaser guy and i guess the greaser guy's dad uh, that are grabbing at Brandon, uh, and then Canine comes in and shoots the greaser in the back, uh, killing him uh, temporarily because he does come back. And then the <laughs> farmer looks at Canine, who's not doing anything, screams, <laughs> and then runs out the room. Yeah, the laser is positioned in the way that the second guy can't see the laser, so he, all he knows is the guy just f- fell and there looks like there's a robot toy dog standing in front of him he's absolutely terrified at, a, at what looks like a toy it's like really <laughs> yep 
I mean, of course, we get a brilliant chase scene between K9 and the man, where K9 moves at a very, very slow pace. It's like, uh, he's like Mike Myers, you know? It doesn't matter how fast K9 moves, he's gonna catch up. <laughs> like, like the, the man doesn't do a good job of running, because he's just like, oh, I'm, I'll go the down this... The man keeps stopping, he just keeps stopping. If he just kept going, he'd get away from K9 like nobody's business. Because he's running around a bunch of, like, greenhouses, and he's like, I- I'll run down this way. No, no, actually, I'll, I'll turn back and go up this way. And <laughs> when he hides behind, like, a greenhouse, and he's like, <laughs> he doesn't move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it's jump- bad. Like, all he has to do is just jump over a wall or fence, and K-9 will never get to him. Because K-9 can't fly. <laughs> Uh, and then we get a scene where Brendan interrogates the greaser guy, and I think both of them do a terrible performance here. Uh, yes, it, it's all very theatrical, isn't it? It's like we're doing a stage play. It's not even that. It's like it's like they're both kind of whispering to one another, but like, <laughs> like you know when you like whisper shout and you're like, no, don't do that, stop, stop doing that, no, like that's how they're talking. Like they don't want to <laughs> shout even though shouting's really what they should be doing, because Brendan's, like, grabbing him and, like, shaking him, like, why did you do that? Why Why did you try and kill me? But instead he's like, why did you do that? Why did you try and kill me? Like, what's, what's going on? Like, <laughs> it's so, such a weird performance they're both giving. Um, so K-9 is still chasing the man, and he runs into a gnome, and he gets scared of a gnome, which is a cute little touch, I thought. And then, oh, is that what happened? Yeah, see, he, he got I thought scared. he got—I—I I thought he got turned on by it because we see his—we <laughs> we see his little plunger extend. He—he <laughs> he later calls it a garden goblin, which is cute, but it's just—is it, it? I'm trying to compliment this episode, and it's doing nothing for me. <laughs> yeah, and then he causes a bunch of wooden planks to fall on top of a greenhouse. Which, you better bet, there's going to be a very long scene discussing the <laughs> finances that that little smash is going to set back some farmers. Oh boy. So again, we've got like this whole underlining of, oh, there's black magic being performed here. And there's no evidence of actually the black magic doing anything. Like, it's it's really... It just... Like, show something happening with the black magic, at least. Just show something happening. <laughs> and then the older guy is just like, oh, I'm absolutely terrified of this dog because it's a witch's familiar and it's it's a dog breathing fire, but we don't get a sense of who he's actually talking to. It's just like an over-the-shoulder shot, kind of, but it's, it, I, don't, I feel no tension in this scene at all. Yeah, it's, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> So we're now at the halfway point through the episode. <laughs> you know, we are we're deep in the second act, coming into the third very soon, and Brandon got attacked. Pretty much. And the next well not the next scene, but a scene after this. They kind of stand around with their hands in their pockets, not caring that much, we're instead talking about the pH scale and he, he just and got attacked of repairing a greenhouse shelter. He literally just got attacked out last night, and you're ta- standing around for like two minutes talking about the pH scale. And yeah, you, you're you absolutely right about the old man just mumbling his lines. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's. George says a dog did this. 
like like Sarah Jane's hands are literally in her pockets and she's talking very calmly about how her surrogate son as she calls him was attacked last night yeah it's i think this is my least favorite scene in the whole episode uh where they're just talking about brendan getting attacked uh and how he's of shaking how he said he was a bit shaken up by it but he's standing there perfectly neutral hands in pockets like he doesn't care uh and then you know the whole talking about the ph number of soil the pricing of fixing a greenhouse it's it, this this scene as well goes on for a while literally about three minutes i just calculated it while you were talking three minutes of this scene is that hands in pockets talking about bh scales and how the finances are shit and just waiting for a cop to come at at ends of the scene and we don't get in any interaction between sarah jane and the cop but it comes along it's just like oh here's a cop now i'll see you later yeah we... but there was up to 500 quids worth of damage to the greenhouse scott so <laughs> you know have some perspective they try to end the scene with a joke being like oh the, the old man's talking to the real dog and he's like oh come on jasper we're gonna go dog hunting and we're supposed to laugh but I, I think most of us fell asleep at this point i didn't even catch that line <laughs> and then the greaser guy gives off gives off a performance of his lifetime as he sobs about potentially being locked up in prison if he tries to attack the kid once more and it's just like what is their purpose? Why are they doing this? I, eh. It's a well well acted special, I think. Don't you? <laughs> I, uh, they just like. But this was the scene where I was really confused as to how old the greaser was. <laughs> yeah, he's because he, he looks thirty five. Yeah, he really he's, does. He's arguing with his dad about like kidnapping this kid again as if he's not an independent adult and at the whim of his father's command yeah but if he if he doesn't get the kid Hecate or whatever her name is will seek him out and punish him and we don't get a sense of who this Hecate person is like we don't get a sense of what we believe this person of what she is and it's yeah. <laughs> And then we open up the next scene where Brandon is yawning, just like us. <laughs> yeah, really channeling the audience. Well, I presume uh, Sarah Jane is writing her book because she's very loud on the clackety-clacky typewriter. Yep, she very much is. As we watch Brandon say goodnight and then walk out a room and walk into another room, it's thrilling. <laughs> so, so kind of... So, yeah. so, 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 wait. So Brandon's going to bed... Yeah, <laughs> Brendan's going to bed. He's mm-hmm. tired and he's going to bed. And you know, when you're tired and going to bed, the fr- I don't know about you, but the first thing I do is open the front door. Okay, okay, okay. So after, <laughs> so after he opens the front door or the back door, I think this is. Uh, you can hear the greaser kid go pst, pst. I think that was supposed to come earlier, which would make more sense because he's opening the door to find out what the noise is. Because yeah. if if he's opening the door, the greaser kid doesn't have any purpose to go. Psst, psst. Like Sarah Jane makes Brendan sleep outside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I I just kind of thought as a really awkwardly edited scene. Very. And then, uh, channeling the demons once again, we see someone cutting the phone cables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which again serves kind of no purpose, much like the absolute the demons. demons. Yeah. <laughs> like. 
Like, does she does she need to make a call in this episode to anyone? Not really, because she doesn't Her. notice that she he's gone, does he? It's just about channeling the mystery of the ant again, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like she now she will never find out if that call to the university in New York went through or not, and they won't be able to get in touch with her because the phone lines have been cut. And you know what's happened to the ant, even though we know for one hundred percent sure that she is in America right now. And and even if he were to pretend, oh, there's some mystery behind this episode in the first watch. Watching it a second time, all the mystery is gone. We absolutely know she's 100% safer. It's like 99.9% uncertainly in the first one. I don't know. It's really awkward. Uh, We then transition into mourning. As I, Sarah Jane like falls asleep, she's like reading a book and we pan into a fire and transition out. Uh, and then Sarah Jane comes running into the living room looking for Brandon because his bed's not been slept in. And the only thing that I really took note of in this scene is I really like Sarah Jane's jumper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this like shaggy, like, like multicolored autumn looking jumper and it just looks cozy. <laughs> A good, a good quality sign of a good script when you're noticing that. <laughs> but yeah, we cut to Sarah Jane at another house and she awkwardly has to get K9 out of the car by lifting him. <laughs> and there's like no audio in this scene either. Yeah. Like it's dead silent as she's like running up to the car, lifting K9 out of the car and putting him on. The- there's like no sound at all except for like the crows cawing in the distance. I mean, in a big dramatic scene, uh, the next scene has Sarah Jane having to hold the door for K9 because he can't use the door by himself. And it's a big dramatic scene it's supposed to be. Like, she's sneaking into the house of another person. It's supposed to be filled with tension and, oh, well, well, will they catch her in the act? And she has to stand there holding the door. (laughs) And then K9 is like, oh, I have to stay here and monitor the situation. It's like, won't they see K9? Because his eyes are, like, red glowing red <laughs> and he's a big he's a quite a big robot dog isn't he he's not like a wiretap it's yeah but like what the reason K9 wanted Sarah Jane to leave is because he's not going to spy on these people he's about to torture them <laughs> he, 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 <laughs> okay so the old man does confirm that Peter the greaser guy is in his father's custody because he got caught housebreaking six months ago yeah so he must be an adult that's like on house (laughs) arrest surely uh but yeah this is like so sarah jane's in the police station reporting brandon's missing and they're talking about how greaser guy is also missing uh and the aunt's missing and you know or the aunt's quote-unquote missing uh and it's uh, boring uh I'm in the policeman. Is like, well, why is this thing you should do? Just wait by the telephone, because because if we need more telephone in this episode, we we are we could get it. But mm-hmm. Sarah reminds them that the telephone is being cut for no reason, and then we get a pointless scene. So Sarah Jane's walking back to her car with the old man. <laughs> uh, she's about to go into the car when old lady who's friend with the aunt approaches her. And she's like, have you heard from the, from your aunt yet? And she's like, nope, not yet. And she's like, oh, well, you know, no news is good news. And she's like, ah, oh, yeah. And she's like, well, if I don't see you before, Merry Christmas. And she's like, ah, oh, Merry Christmas. And then they drive off and that's the whole scene. Uh, it's, it, you know, I'll give it one thing. It's very reminiscent 
are very realistic off country life where you bump into someone on christmas time you have like a oh yeah completely pointless conversation with them and like just niceties does it need to be in the episode though no no no. (laughs) um i think it was around this point of the episode i was like oh nothing's nothing much has happened yet there must be like a full maybe half hour yet left and then I kind of looked at the clock, realizing, oh, there's only 15 minutes left. How? Yeah, we are How? we are barreling towards the end of this uh, episode. And, you know, that's one thing that I said that uh, after finishing it, that this episode really has going for it. Nothing happens in 40 minutes, but it's a fast 40 minutes. Like, I don't understand how it works. Like, because <laughs> it's, it's not entertaining. It's really boring, but it doesn't feel slow. Like, it never drags really at any point. I, I absolutely agree, and I can't quite pinpoint why. I think it's <laughs> I think it's because the scenes are relatively quite short, and we're just kind of expecting, oh, something might happen in this scene when it ends, and then we kind of repeat <laughs> that with, oh, something might happen in this scene, and then it ends. <laughs> uh, so the old man offers her, oh, you can go wait with me if you want, and then she's like, no, no, I'll, I'll go back to work, and then she's at the typewriter, looking as bored as we are, just, just waiting for something to happen. <laughs> Yeah, and then we get a cut off. Oh my god, I'm yawning. I'm that bored. Nah, it's just like, uh, <laughs> and then we get a cut off. Uh, Brendan asleep on a mattress, uh, and we cut to farmer man, uh, and policeman officer. Hey, it's another policeman officer and a Doctor Who thing. Who would have guessed? Uh, as the policeman officer is talking with farmer man, he's like, "I know you've got Brendan. What have you done with him? You know, this is this is going too far. We haven't had a human sacrifice in like since like the 1800s and." Uh, the farmer guy's just like, you're bound by oath, you know, because he thinks that canine is a s- symbol from their god Hecate, Hecate, that she's yeah. coming or she's doing something. And that means they need to kill a person. To <laughs> Like, it's very vague as to what the white dog represents. Uh, the mm-hmm. white dog being canine, of course. Yeah, it's supposed to be her familiar, which is like witch kind of thing. It's her pet or some sort. I don't know, the episode doesn't explain anything about what's going on. Like, some explanation would have been nice. (laughs) And then we get a really long scene of watching the policeman officer walk up to his bicycle, turn the (laughs) light on, grab his bike, turn around and ride down the street in the pitch black so you can barely see anything that's going on. So, uh, K-9 tells Sarah Jane that Brendan's been kidnapped. Sarah Jane goes to call the police, but then thinks otherwise. And she's like, no, wait, we can just murder everybody. Hangs up the phone and gets in the car. And we follow the policeman riding his bike in the dark. And we can barely see him. We can really only see him because he's got the light on his bike on, which really is is doing a lot for the camera there. Uh, And he rides up. We hear this like mysterious. It's described in the closed captions as an animal crying. And he's like, oh, what, what was that? What was that? And he's saying he's looking for it. And then he dies. Yeah, I think the explanation is he has a heart attack. And it's just a natural heart attack for some reason. I'm not yeah, exactly. he, he just suddenly starts going <laughs> and dies. Uh, but speaking of the demons, it's very much like the opening of the demons. You know, with the strong winds and the, and the guy walking his dog and he suddenly has a heart attack out of fear. It's very much the same kind of thing. Yeah, uh, you know, the demons was, what, how many how many years before this? Ten years exactly, pretty much. Ten years before this, and I think everything that this is trying to do, the demons did better. 
Yes, 100%. <laughs> For starters, the demons had a plot. <laughs> so um, Sarah Jane finds a body and she sees a goat a goat going, bah, and then the scene kind of ends. <laughs> Just like, what? Uh, the, the, because the goat is the symbol of the devil. Like, yeah. it's the, the creature. Yeah. So it's to, like, make Sarah Jane think it's witchcraft, which she 100% suddenly believes in as she's in the next scene when she's talking with that to the old guy. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite the leap that she makes. Also, she doesn't even, like, call an ambulance. She just yeah. leaves that cop's <laughs> body on the road. Also, it feels like she doesn't do much investigating in this episode. She just kind of follows people around and doesn't do much in in the way, really. Yeah. She really isn't active in the plot at all. Well, I say plot, but I say story. No, I say story. I mean, episode. Series of events. Uh, and then we get a scene with the farmer and the greaser guy, and how the greaser guy learned all these lines, I'll never know. Uh, keyword there being no. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so the farmer's talking to him, and he's like, you've got to do this, you, you you have to, it's your obligation, you've been chosen, blah de blah de blah And the greaser guy every time goes, no, 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 no. He says it maybe ten times. <laughs> it's a lot, yeah. And then we then we kind of ramp up with the episode, kind of going fast paced now. And the episode is like, oh yeah, we just remembered what we're actually about. We're about this whole sacrifice thingy. <laughs> oh yeah, we set up this cult at the start of the episode and did nothing with them for half an hour. Oops. Yeah, they they just remembered in the nick of time. Uh, so yeah, we're trying to sacrifice Brandon, and I do not give a shit because I do not like this character, and I, I think he could just burn in that fire as far as long as I can care about. I don't dislike Brandon. I just I'm completely neutral towards him because <laughs> he's had about three scenes before he gets taken away to be sacrificed. All I know about him is he really likes soil and he has an annoying laugh. <laughs> that's that's enough to burn someone in my books. <laughs> And then we kind of get this whole narrative of um, the t- everyone around Sarah Jane thinking, "Oh, oh, you're just you're just crazy. You haven't had much sleep for whatever." It's just like at this point, it's just like it's t- it's too late for the whole crazy narrative. We should be wrapping things up. Yeah, there's soon. ten minutes left in the episode, and they're talking about how they don't believe Sarah Jane. Uh, but the people she's talking with, so she's talking with the aunt's friend, and I assume the aunt's friend's husband. Do you not think that the husband? For whatever reason, he looks like he's wearing a mask. <laughs> like, his face doesn't look real. It looks like it's got, like, prosthetics on it or something. But, like, that's just his face. Um. Yeah, it kind of looks rather leathery, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, like... it, it, it reminds me of that Troy McClure clip where um, he's in the Muppets movie and his face just turns into pure leather. <laughs> Yeah, like like he yeah it doesn't look like a real human face. It's very strange. Yeah, but both the aunt's friend and her husband speak for a minute and a half trying to rationally explain to Sarah Jane that there's no witchcraft, and it's just like we've we've seen enough of the episode to know that it's false. Like, do this earlier on in the episode if you want to have this whole crazy narrative, but it's it's just too late now. We're nine minutes left of the episode. There's not much you can tell now. 
They're just they're just biding their time so that we can get to the scene where K9 unloads on everybody and commits <laughs> mass murder. And we're on into the next scene. Uh, Sarah Jane is talking to K9 about, oh, what can we do? And she has to crouch down to uh, K9's level just so the two of them I can quite be in like the same that. shot. I, I quite <laughs> like that the, the way that she crouches down, though. There's a lot of energy to it. Uh, but the this scene, again, is repetition uh, the way that I see it, because K9 starts talking about the occult and how cults believe in, or the, like these farming cults believe that the supernatural forces affect the weather and that that's why they're doing it to help their crop yield and things like that, which is information we were given already about the cult. Yeah. <laughs> like... And it just suddenly now K9's part of the plot as well. He's like, oh, this is what the episode is about, and it's time for me to be involved in the whole You could have asked for me this at this. any point. Any point, I had this information just waiting to go. It feels like K9 should have given this information like 15 or 20 minutes into the episode or something like that. It's just way too late for this. And this is this is a sign that this was 100% meant to air on December 23rd because K9 is like, oh, the, the, the sacrifice will be happening on December 22nd, which would have been the day before this episode aired, but they decided to hold back on it, which makes it... Less of a Christmas special, really. It feels awkward. Uh, and then K9 somehow figures out the quickest route between all the churches within an eight-mile radius. And it's just like, how? How? How is he doing this? Is he Google Maps? I'm not going to question it. The plot's moving <laughs> forward. You know, if that's what it needs for something to happen, I'm more than willing to, like, to let that slide. <laughs> And also the telephone is fixed now and of course she has to have a conversation on the telephone with the aunt's friend. And um, we really needed the telephone to be fixed in this episode, really. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Uh, But then we cut to uh, Sarah Jane. She's like, I don't want to come over aunt's friend. Goodbye. And we go to the car as she's driving towards the churches and we see someone let the handbrake go on a tractor and it like starts moving really slowly onto the main road and Sarah Jane starts driving towards it and she doesn't see it somehow and she keeps driving <laughs> towards it and it's moving really slowly onto the main road and then she swerves to dodge it and get around it and she's like, whoa, K9, do you think someone's trying to kill us? And K9's <laughs> like, yeah, probably. It's uh, uh, the least dramatic uh, car like accident dodge scene I've ever seen. It's at least a stunt, but um, Liz Layden was almost forced to do because she had to be like, "Hey, I I actually don't drive, so um, please can we hire an actual stunt double?" And everybody was like, uh, "No, no, we don't have it in the budget to hire a stunt double to do this kind of dangerous scene in a way." Because what if she had smashed into the tractor? I mean, she had to beg for them to just let her have a stunt double. It's insane. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, but thing to notice here, uh, when she's driving, it's broad daylight. We then cut to a man in the police station. He brings a buzzer, and then we cut away again. It's thrilling. Uh, but when we next cut back to Sarah Jane, it's suddenly pitch dark. It is as dark as the day is bright, uh, if that makes any sense. It's very dark. Well, well, the man with the buzzer is a clock on the wall. It says about quarter past four, which is when roughly around when it would get dark on Christmas. So, makes sense. It's a, it's a hell of a time jump. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Sarah Jane is like, oh, three down, two to, two to go or whatever. 
And then we cut to Brandon, and then she's like, oh, two down. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is quick. Yeah, and then we get explained to us what a chapel is, uh, <laughs> which is, I guess, information I didn't know before. Uh, still exposition. Six minutes left of the episode left. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we definitely need more exposition. Then we get a scene uh, as Sarah's driving towards the last church where the uh, cult is. And we, 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 we are, we're cutting back and forth as we're seeing Brandon get marched up and the, uh, the ritual taking place. And every time we cut back to K-9, he's like, oh, it's 11.57 because they've got to do it before midnight. And then she, we cut away, we cut back, it's 11.58, cut back, it's 11.59. It's like it builds, like it's, it's a fun way to build a little bit of tension. Uh, yeah. A, a ticking clock is always a good narrative to be like, oh, this is, this is danger. We need to hurry up and get to the finish line and also brandon looks very like he's much on drugs doesn't he he's very drugged but they also couldn't say he's drugged because it's christmas day and it's like you can't say you're drugged on pre-watershed television (laughs) but yeah he looks drugged so then in the very last moment just before uh the blade is going to strike brandon uh, they're dipping it in like a glass which i guess had is like some ritual water or something and canines marching his way up the hill and then he just starts unloading lasers on folk he's just shooting them down <laughs> left and right <laughs> taking no prisoners uh canine broke in this scene so he had to pull him on some string so yeah canine broke what a surprise <laughs> it's uh, that's a shame but this scene genuinely made me laugh out loud so <laughs> many times canine just shooting people left and right as sarah jane runs up the hill and starts doing karate like <laughs> liz didn't learn that karate kick in like five seconds because we just didn't have time to teach her and it really shows that she's only got five seconds to learn that it's not great is it i was watching the scene again and it's literally <laughs> it's like a crowd of like 11 people screaming in terror frozen unable to move as canine just shoots them dead like <laughs> He just he's taking he's just shooting them one by one as they scream in horror. <laughs> it's it's so goofy and it's it's just because K nine doesn't look threatening at all and he's somehow posing this much of a threat on everyone. It just it's really dumb. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> also, we when Brandon gets lifted up by Sarah Jane to check that he's okay, he breathes out and we see his breath. So it must be absolutely freezing that night. And he's wearing, like, toilet paper wrapped around him. He yeah, must it, be yeah. absolutely freezing cold. Oh, boy, yes. It's 3 a.m. and it's November. Oh, poor guy, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I have some sympathy for him. And then we find out that the cult members were the people in the town. Ta- was it the aunt's friend and the drunk old man? Were they the people that she took the masks off? I couldn't really tell. I think so, but it's just... it's. I never care or... Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> well, it won't be the aunt's friend because she's having a drink with her in the next scene. So it was a person and I think the old man that slurs his words. It might have been the aunt's other friend. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's 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 like dimly lit and it's they're at an angle. It's really hard to make out their facial features. And then Brandon is all like, oh, is that what... Is it, are the newspapers true? There might be cults all over this country? And then Sarah Jean is like... Never believe what you read in the newspapers. 
but like it's very plausible that there'd be other cults sacrificing people around the country because you just witnessed one why yeah she also <laughs> she also makes like a joke about human sacrifice and brandon's like i don't think that's very funny i was almost <laughs> killed why are you making fun of me yeah, like, <laughs> like 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 if she and k9 were like a minute late he'd be dead <laughs> they were just they were this close to him being dead and we're joking about it and then, and then Sarah Jane is like to the aunt's friend and her husband. And she's like, a few days ago, I thought you two were a part of it. And then she, the guy is like, a part of what? And then she's like, part of the coven. And then the, the, aunt, the aunt's friend is like, that's absurd. Is it? Like everyone else seems, everyone else in this town seems to be part of the coven. Like who yeah. isn't part of the coven in this town? Yeah, but then, Scott. The greatest mystery of this episode gets solved (laughs) as the phone rings and it is Sarah Jane's aunt calling from America. Oh my my god. The information that we were given at the start of the episode that she's going to America early and then she goes to America early and then Sarah Jane's like, where's my aunt? And everyone's (laughs) like, she went to America early. Uh, It turns out, right, that she just went to America early. (sighs) I, and I also, was, I was, my jaw was was dropped when I found out this information. And also, it's been a long while since uh, Sarah Jane even mentioned her aunt. That I was at the point where I forgot entirely about the aunt. And I was like, oh yeah, the aunt is still a thing. Yup. And then the, uh, the, we cut to the aunt in her hotel room, which is just a wall. There, there is no set to the hotel room, it's just a wall. Uh... And then we cut to K9, who suddenly can't read, as he starts singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas, but instead he says, you wish we a Merry, and then he's like, oh, wait, start again, uh, which is like a cute joke, I guess, but it doesn't really make sense. I, 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 I honestly do like the little Christmas hat on and the, ton- and the tinsel around his neck. Just, just ending the episode with him singing a Christmas song. It's quite cute. He, it literally, he goes, "We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year." <laughs> Hard cut to credits, like, <laughs> and that's the end of the episode, uh, where nothing happens. But Scott, what were your <laughs> overall thoughts and feelings on K9 and Company? I'm honestly still waiting for something to happen. <laughs> it's like. There's a good premise in here somewhere, like Sarah Jane Smith, a journalist investigating the weird mysteries around the country, is is a good premise, and we've seen it work well in Sarah Jane Adventures, which we'll cover in two weeks, but this episode just has no plot, it's just nothing, there's nothing to say about it except I like watching Elizabeth Sladen, she gives a decent performance with nothing she's given. What are your Uh... thoughts? (laughs) I think it's terrible. <laughs> I the first time I watched it, you know, I thought it was kind of fine, you know, nothing <laughs> happens but it's harmless and it goes by pretty quick, but watching it the second time and dissecting each scene and trying to find any semblance <laughs> of a plot is like there's really nothing to this at yeah. all. The only positive I have about this entire special is I've now listened to the theme song so many times I really <laughs> like it. Is this is honestly a good theme song? I I like it as well, just for the cheesiness of it. 
But yeah. yeah. Um, we were hard on the Hand of Fear last week, and in comparison, the Hand of Fear at least tells a story, or at least tries to. Whereas, whereas here is just no story. <laughs> it's nothing. So BritBox just completely reset the timeline for me on K9 and Company, and now I have to watch <laughs> it all again. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the you know this is this whole month we're we're looking at sarah jane and we're celebrating liz sladen and we're off to a terrible start with some of these episodes we really are we firstly covered the hand of fear which is it 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 hand of fear has its moments of goodness at least for the the entire hour and a half or whatever there's some good moments to be found in terms of just plots or characterizations or anything like that whereas here is just it feels like nothing. You just watch it and then you forget about it five minutes later. I've already forgotten about anything apart from uh, soil and um, witchcraft. <laughs> I, I just, I just, I will never get the image of K9 mowing down a horde <laughs> of screaming people uh, and just shooting them dead without ever hesitating out of my uh, head. Yeah, but at least the next two stories, we'll, we, we will enjoy the next two episodes we're going to cover. School Reunion and the first episode of Sarah Jane Adventures are coming up, which I'm excited for. They're great episodes. Yes, but that brings us to the end of the episode this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, this has been Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Who Watches Who, on YouTube at Who Watches Who, on Twitter at Watches Doctor. Podcast is available on audio form wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Cloth223. And Scott, you got anything to add? Um, be sure to send us a ma- an email if you'd like. Um, our email address is whowatcheswhopod at gmail.com. We'd be happy to have any kind of conversation about uh, soil and uh, pH <laughs> levels. <laughs> Yeah, only email if you're wanting to talk about the uh, the proper pH level of soil, and uh, we'll be sure to debate that with you on the show because that's uh, some compelling stuff. And, and join us next week for our documentary on the pH levels of soils around Britain. Which one's the highest you... and which one's the lowest? <laughs> you Patreon podcast, who watches soil? Come and see. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but seriously, next week is school reunion, the return of Sarah Jane Smith to the new era. A genuinely which, great episode. I haven't seen it forever. I can't wait to rewatch it. Anthony Head is in that one from Buffy. He's great in the episode. I'm excited. At least something happens in the school reunion. Yeah. But, uh, thank you very much, and bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>